Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I wanted to talk a little bit about asking why you got rejected. Uh, I had somebody uh, just email me, and um, this isn't someone I had worked with before, but unfortunately, he is out of the race already. Uh, what happened was he only applied to four sites and has received four rejections. Um, and that's kind of one of those uh, mistakes that, you know, looking in hindsight, that you know you wouldn't have applied to only four spots but again it's all new it's the first time you've applied to residency you know give some grace that uh, you just didn't understand the process uh, and I get that it's tough so uh, let's talk about asking about what it is that caused your rejection so there's a, a great post uh, up on reddit about uh, getting some feedback from that, and some of the posters uh, actually shared the feedback. And so the first site, uh, you got feedback from two of the sites. Uh, the first one was that uh, they didn't have enough clinical rotations or intern experience uh, and enough leadership positions for the place. And what they're able to do is simply just go to their rubric and say, okay, well, they need X number of clinical rotations, X number of intern experience, and that's likely working at a hospital, and then, um, you know, leadership position, vice president or president, or that there's a leadership position at all. The other one saw that um, the letter of intent didn't show he was really interested and admitted that, you know, this was one that was a last minute application, and it was pretty clear to both resident resident-to-be and residency site that not a lot of time went into it and that was pretty easy and this is something that uh, unfortunately happens a lot where out of exhaustion you kind of just push send just to get it in by the deadline but you weren't able to put your best effort into it and so the feedback was that you know on the one case they're not qualified because of the number of rotations the experience and the leadership and wouldn't this have been great in P2 year to find these things out so that in P3 year they could schedule the intern experiences and P3 year they could you know, take those leadership positions so they would be qualified. So again, this kind of lag measure comes a little bit after the fact. Okay. Another posting talks about applying to some of the more difficult sites where it's not that you're not good, it's that you're not great. Uh, and what people take is they take it personally that they are not great, but it's really the experiences that you've had are not great. So uh, instead of being president, maybe you were treasurer. Instead of getting five clinical rotations, you had two. Instead of having a national poster, you had a regional poster. And it's simply that at this particular site, usually academic medical centers, uh, which are in phase two, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, Unfortunately, with the number of applications, 200, 300 at this particular site, that level of CV, unfortunately, will, will not get uh, the interview placement. Uh, but here's where I, I disagree. Um, one poster put up that they feel it is unfair and there should be a cap on the number of places that you can apply to. And in a previous episode, uh, the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, uh, I talked to a physician applicant or a, a medical school applicant. So Nathan Gartland applied to 37 medical schools. 
And this is something that you guys likely haven't had to do because the data shows you haven't had to do it. The data show that the average pharmacy school applicant back when you went into pharmacy school only applied to two schools and that the acceptance rate was somewhere around 82-83%. The acceptance rate is now at 89%. So pharmacy students have not experienced rejection in the way that medical students have. So this process is a completely different process. You know, that person that applied to four places uh, applied to twice as many places than likely they had applied to pharmacy schools, and that's twice as much. So Nathan Garland had applied to 37 schools because he really wanted to become a physician. And he had no idea how his record would be taken, uh, and uh, that was something that had to be done. So uh, it's episode 414, PharmD to MD, a success story, uh, if you want to kind of go back to that one. Uh, but let's kind of get back to this idea of uh, rejection and having applications. So let's say that you do have the money to apply to 30 places. That means that you have to have the time to create 30 applications. And I can hear some of you groaning already like, oh my gosh, that is so much time. And some schools, you might have that because you have that week off and, and your school has made it so that it's a lot easier for you to apply. But most of you wouldn't. Still, four, if you're looking at the bell curve, four is away on the low end. 12, 11 is right in the middle. And then once you start getting over 20, you're now at the other side of the tail. But I, I disagree with this putting a cap on it because to afford to send that many, and someone did the math, is saving $30 a month for three years and you can send 30 applications. So if you want to send 30 applications and it means that much to you and you have the time to, to do 30 applications, so be it. But we get into this whole thing of equity and the equity really comes in PGY2 and there's another posting about this, but if you go into PGY2, and I have the numbers, but only, and this is tough to wrap your head around mathematically, but 30 sites get, represent one half of the phase two placements. I'm not talking about interviews, the placements. So th let me say that again, 30 pharmacy schools earn 50% of the placements and 115 schools earn the other 15% or the other half of the placements. And that's in line with Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule that 20% uh, of the, the residency sites are going to get 80% of the applications. 20% of the students are going to get 80% of the interview invitations. And so, you know, it's like, there's going to be some students, and, and this happened last year, some student had 18 interviews and, and had to reject some of them. And what's happening is that their credentials are way on top. And the thing is, is that they can only accept one position. They can't accept 18 positions. So in the end, it really doesn't affect anyone because although they were ranked higher, they still are going to, 17 of those sites are still going to go to the other rankings. So that a person gets 30 you know, interviews 
Yeah, it takes an interview spot from the very last person that would have gotten an interview. But the very last person that would have gotten an interview is the least likely to actually get the position. So I, I don't agree with, with putting any kind of limits on it. Uh, I do think that it's a lot. It's a little over $40 to, to do an application. Um, you can get it residency. You can get pharmacy school applications for free now. They'll give you a waiver. And I think it only costs like 75 bucks to apply to an entire pharmacy school. This isn't a single residency site. So I think that the issue is, is much more on the uh, end of how much it costs to apply. And to some extent, there are expenses that go along with being an applicant and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm guessing that that number 43 or 48 or whatever it is, uh, is there actually to limit the number because they don't want people applying to many, many sites. So if they had made it $10, for example, the it would be out of control with the number of applications. So that number is something that they tweak up and down based on how few or how many uh, applications they actually want. So they go into a huge kind of thing about, you know, some people are busy and they've got all these families and, and all these other expenses and it's just unfair. But I think we need to get back to uh, the big reason that most people will get a rejection. And uh, one of the posters puts that on here is that it is a misalignment between the candidate interests and the program strengths. Okay? So it's not that the letters of recommendation really make a huge impact. Although if you get anything less than uh, highly recommend, and 80% of the time it's highly recommend, um, then it comes down to the letter. And what, in many cases, what, what students did is they overrided what the letter was telling them. So as you're writing the letter and you're realizing that, wow, you know, I don't actually match to this place, but I'm going to send the letter anyway, you, you, didn't say, wait a minute, this letter is not true. I, I really don't match here. I, I need to pick another place. And that's what, what should have happened. Uh, but a lot of times it doesn't because just under the duress of everything, look, I just I just want to go here. I know I'd be great. I don't match exactly, you know, but, but you actually, um, if you had actually taken the feedback, which is what the letter was saying, and in hindsight, you'll see this, uh, that, yeah, that, that's what you should have done is just said, okay, you know what, I don't match um, by taking the time to write uh, a thoughtful letter to look at their, uh, their residency rotations and the rotations you've done and seeing how that there was a misalignment, uh, you should have gone to a different one. So that's a lesson for phase two, that you're really looking for alignment, you know, over acceptance to something that you think that you should uh, be going to. So another post, uh, Rejections Getting You Down. Uh, this was kind of a, uh, some of the advice I see here is kind of like, you go get them, you know, it's, uh, you know, no matter what happens, it's a win. If you got a residency, great, you're on the way to a clinical career. And if you don't, well, you can go to graduate school or you can make lots of money and maybe try again. And, you know, I, I get that, you know, the re residency is not the end, but in some, some ways it's the kind of sour grapes that 
um, the story where I think it was a fox or something like that saw some grapes and he couldn't reach it. So he said, oh, the grapes are probably sour. And so you say, well, I wanted residency, but uh, it probably would have been really tough. And now I'm going to make much more money with this community position that uh, I got an offer for. So, you know, bah humbug, I don't want residency. But I think that what we really want to do is kind of transition now to uh, what we can do with the feedback that we get or don't get from the residency sites about our applications. And now we can move on to phase two. And so I created a phase two cover letter course, and it has some of the content of the extreme LOI makeover, but uh, I'm calling it cover letter because you can apply to residencies or you can start applying to clinical positions and you say but i i didn't get the residency now i can't apply to clinical positions but on this posting you'll see that somebody applied to a site that needed a pgy1 but they got it anyway and you're like well how can that be well in some cases pgy1 is what they hope for but uh, it's something that you can learn over time uh, and you can, especially if you're in kind of a focused area, uh, maybe one area of ambulatory care or one area of the hospital, uh, you can start to pick it up. And uh, it takes a lot of time and you don't have the direction that would have made it a lot easier with a residency. But uh, there are those kinds of positions. So whether whether you're trying for a cover letter for a clinical position or a hospital position or even a community position, or you do want that LOI makeover, uh, what, I'm, what I like to do is as soon as you find out that you're kind of out of the game to sign up for the course. And then what we do is we rewrite your letter so that you can kind of see the process. And that way, when we get to what is the madness of phase two week, uh, then it's 24 hours. I'll get the letter back to you as soon as you figure out where you want to apply. And that process is a week-long process to um, apply. And it's, so it's completely on steroids. Everything happens so fast. And you have to get things done uh, really quickly. So I provide that 24-hour turnaround. Uh, but I want to talk to you before that week because it is absolute madness uh, when that happens. Now... 1,600 of the 8,000 that are going to apply this year, and maybe it'll be lower, but 1,600 will know before that time, and I'd like to talk to you beforehand. Uh, 2,400, or yeah, 1,600 will know ahead of time, and then 2,400 will find out on the day. So 2,400 will find out in March uh, that they didn't get a residency and that, that they want to do phase two. So it'll be 4,000 altogether, about one half of, of what was applying, uh, we'll find out. And I have a limit, unfortunately, on the number of people that I can help because it is uh, during spring break and I think it's right during APHA. Uh, so it's uh, kind of bad timing on their part uh, for you guys uh, that are trying to uh, get some things done. But uh, if you have a spring break, which I don't know that I remember having during APIs, uh, but if you have a spring break, obviously, you know, it's nice to have that time. But you basically have a weekend uh, to get all this done. So uh, do communicate with me. It's residency.teachable.com forward slash P forward slash phase two. Or you can find it at the residency.teachable.com site. Uh, and uh, what do I 
talk about in this phase two thing, and I'll, I'll talk more about it. Oops. Um, let's get to the actual course. Uh, the big thing is the top, uh, the phase two email template that's available to anybody, um, and then understanding your pharmacy school match statistics. Um, I put a clinical position cover letter here as well. So if you're kind of thinking of a clinical position and you're wondering why you're not hearing back, uh, I can help you with those. Uh, but the first thing is, is I, I talked with the Lux pharmacist, who's uh, very popular on Instagram and was on the cover of some pharmacy magazine. It was uh, quite a big deal. Um, and uh, she goes through her process and uh, the four sites that she applied to in phase two. And then Key Gales, who matched in phase two, not only for PGY1, for PGY2, uh, he uh, also talked about it as well. And then kind of a bunch of things to, to do uh, as you kind of understand the interview offer and timeline, how to rank things. Uh, and then I'll send you a PG a uh, phase two book. Um, and let me pop that up here. Uh, called Crushing the Phase 2 Pharmacy Residency Match, Proven Tactics to Earn a Clinical Pharmacist Training Position. Uh, it's book five in the Pharmacist Residency and Career Series. Um, and there are some things that you can do. I have helped over a dozen people get Phase 2 and in some academic medical centers. Uh, those are available. They've said, you know, this is the group that we're willing to accept. Uh, and then, you know, if it Phase 2 comes, Phase 2 comes, and we'll get somebody there. So, again, I just... Uh, uh, Rejection is hard, and you should first ask why you were rejected to, to find out what's going on, and you want to give yourself some grace. Uh, this is the first time you've ever tried this process, so you can do it better in phase two or at worst in next year. Uh, but I do want to help you with phase two if that's something that you come to. So uh, give me an email, tonythepharmacist at gmail.com or residency.teachable.com, uh, and we'll get the We'll get it started. And, and I think that uh, talking to someone, um, and usually professors are, it's sometimes tough to talk to professors because you, you don't, you feel embarrassed. And it's like, well, let me just talk to somebody that's outside of the school so I don't have to kind of deal with that kind of emotion. And I'll give you a ton of grace that it's a bit unfair that you go from a process where you have a 90% acceptance where it comes to pharmacy schools to a place where the acceptance rate is much, much lower, much closer to what it is for medical school admissions. Uh, but just give me an email and, and I can kind of start getting you through the process. Or uh, if you have gotten some rejections and you just kind of want a little bit of a positive pep talk, uh, give me an email and I'll, I'll talk to you about some things that you can do. Uh, and again, no judgment at all. Uh, I just want to help you through this process.